Oh, you know what drives me fucking nuts? What? Is when people mispronounce pronunciation. They say pronunciation. Ugh. Well, I mean... It's counterintuitive, to be fair. It is counterintuitive. It is counterintuitive, but yeah. it's also fucking wrong. Who who pronounced... I've never heard that once in my life. Mispronunciation? Oh, dude. All the time. <laughs> Welcome to episode 461 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode, Brian. Long time no talk. Yeah, long time no talk, but we're back. We're, you know, we're on the slower cadence now, but as such, it affords us the ability to to have the coldest of takes. <laughs> um, to have a thoughtful, measured response <laughs> yes. to all the cool shit happening out there. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, that's not totally true though we are gonna have some hot takes in the sidebar but let's get into that yeah yeah we we still every now and then we happen to have an episode that lands while something is happening so in the sidebar we do have some current events cropping up but main topic gonna be nice and room temperature what are we talking about but we're talking about config 2023 and wwdc the Worldwide Developers Conference 2020. Yeah, we're not late at all. We're not late at all. But because we're late, we're going to try and call out some of the cool things that we've noticed while actually using the new stuff. You've been on all the betas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both got our Vision Pros, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They shipped it into, <laughs> in the mail to me just recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got the, the media version. No, we'll talk a little bit about the Vision Pro. But no, we want to. We want this to be more... It'll be cold takes so that we can spend more time talking about the design of things and how they actually work. Yeah, exactly. And it, Not just the headlines. Like, what's what's in yeah. between the headlines, Brian? Mm-hmm. Read between the headlines. Ooh. What are the details of the design? <laughs> and in the sidebar, we're going to talk about Threads, an Instagram app, the new mm-hmm. app from Instagram, a meta app by Meta <laughs> at Instagram from Zuck. Signed that launched on the App Mark Store Zuckerberg today. By Mark when, Zuckerberg for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Or Mark Zuckerberg. Say Mark Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is now I wasn't sure if you... Uh, well. I was following. Okay. I was with you. We're dialed in, bud. We're dialed in. Yeah, we're, we're on there. the same page. All right. I, I too know some pop culture things, I promise. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so if you want to hear us talk about the, the Threads app and Twitter stuff, that'll be in the sidebar. But before we do that, we have a very long list of new very important pixels who have joined the fam since our previous episode. So without further ado, welcome to the fam. Cynthia X, Bob Rudiger, Muse Chen, Dominic Kamazi, Duong Lei, Scott Yuan, Paolo Imbog, Miguel Malfavon, Jonas Melu, Tim Johnson, Dineth Pramodia, Jason Sismati, Ramakrishna Behera, Jen Dunham, Justin Salisbury, Pierre Ricosa, Mark Davis, Ludens Tran, Atakan Bajaxis, and last but not least, Miggy. Welcome Miggy. to the fam, everyone. Welcome thanks to for, the hot tub. Yeah, thanks for dipping on in. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Yeah. Be sure to catch your first sidebar if you haven't already been going through the backlog. Sidebar. Patreon. A design details program. <laughs> a design details joint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you didn't know, this episode is listener supported by people just like you and all of the aforementioned very important pixels who go to patreon.com slash design details and support us for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month? Just a buck a month. And you're going to get bonus content. Not only do we have a massive backlog of bonus episodes that 
If you're listening to this now, it means you're not on our Patreon, which means you've never heard them. I'm talking like over 100 episodes. So not only do you get the backlog, but you get bonus content going forward. So in addition to today's episode where we're digging deep on Config 2023 and WWDC 2023, we will also be talking about Threads, an Instagram app, mm-hmm. which launched today. So that's over in the sidebar, once again, at patreon.com slash design details. Thanks, y'all, for supporting the show. Sidebar, sidebar. (laughs) (laughs) Snuck it in. And with that, let's get into the main topic. Marshall, Config 2023 at this point was over a week ago. Actually, it was over a week ago. But we've been using it. We have been using it. And tell me all about it. You are our resident Figma guru, the knower of all things uh, related to Figma. Hit me with the spice. The The spice. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so TLDR is like four major things were announced here. It's variables, auto layout updates, dev mode, and then some prototyping stuff. Of those four, the one that stuck out to me the most was variables. And I, will I knew tell you would you love it. Why. Okay, why, why, why did well, you think? Well, I think I like you're going to love it. Let's let's see. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. It's great. It's like the power at my fingertips. It's amazing. Um from everything, just the the baseline stuff. So the first thing I did was I converted all of our color swatches into constant variables. And then I mapped those constant variables to semantic pairs so that now I can just say text primary and it'll do the right thing in light mode and it'll do the right thing in dark mode, which means, Brian, if all of our components are built using these semantic variable colors, like they showed in the keynote, we don't need to make dark mode anymore. Like you just mm-hmm. make your light mode components, you make your light mode mocks, literally mm-hmm. two clicks and you can make it dark mode. It's crazy because um, I don't think, I don't know if they showed this off. Like you can, you can make a section that has a specific variant mode is what they call them of like light mode or portrait landscape, whatever. But you can also do that at the page level. So you can just have a whole page of mocks and literally click twice to go to variant modes and then click on dark and it will change the entire canvas of mocks from light to dark. <sighs> it's very cool. Yeah. Marshall, back in my day, you had to build your own prototype just to do this. <laughs> I spent hours like Dozens of hours yeah. building a fucking prototype to do this. Yeah, we have a plugin, you mean? A plugin? A plugin, sorry. And it's so nice yep. to see not only that this works, but the interaction to change between variable sets or whatever you call them is really awesome. Like, especially with the sections and you can just drag stuff between sections. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. So colors are one really powerful use of this, but also spacing is something I've started to play around with of like baking in both like uh, padding and margins, radii, like all of the common numbers that you end up typing in a bunch of times every mm-hmm. day, 8, 16, 24, 32, that type of stuff, or even like 2, mm-hmm. 4, 6, right? Let's define those as variables. Let's define like mm-hmm. a, it's just a number. That's the nice thing. They've, they've genericized this so much that like it could kind of be anything, right? And you got the four buckets. You got color, number, Boolean, and string or text. Mm-hmm. I forget what they call it. But like with those four things in combination with the new auto layout stuff that we could talk about here in a second, all the color things that you can imagine that we were just talking about. 
but also the prototyping things in combination with the variable stuff, like all of this stuff works together, which is a really nice bundle to see come out of them. It's not just like four totally separate features. They all kind of make each other better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great that I have variables, but it's also nice that I have moving on to the next thing. It's nice that I have auto layout improvements. So not just horizontal and vertical, but now we can do wrapping, which is like a pipe dream for me. I've imagined that icon where it is in the interface so many times (laughs) just following like just the third Uh icon. And and even yes, exactly what it looks like. I might have done like a Z-shaped arrow thing, but, you know, uh, uh, teach their own. And also one thing that I would like to see too is like a directional wrap right now. It's just only horizontal wrapping. Like it'd be nice to see like a vertical wrapping. I guess you could achieve that with rotations. But anyways, in addition to the wrapping, and I think it's actually more powerful, is the min max values that we can set for height and width. That's going to be a game changer for design systems, like components that can now be smart enough to know what to do in a given size. And like, I haven't had too much time to play around with the prototyping stuff, but it seems like there's an opportunity to make components that can actually be responsive and hand off to different sizes based on the min max widths or like the variable mode that they're in. I mean, they showed going from like a a mobile uh, design to a tablet design. Um, I'm not sure that'll work perfectly all the time. I, I need to play around with this as, as well as like time-based things. Like how how well do these variables work when you can say, you know, X plus one and then mm-hmm. you know, it always keeps adding or like, I guess it'd be equivalent to X plus plus, right? So you can mm-hmm. like make a bar grow over time or do things based off of a, a recurring loop. This is something I've been wanting to play around with. Uh, but I haven't gotten super deep into it, so uh, more to come there if anything cool pops up. But um, and and dev mode looks amazing. That toggles ginormo, but uh, it's nice to have it there. And especially like just yeah, just the beefing up of the inspect tool. It, it like well, one hasn't gotten love in a long time, so this is like a huge love bomb to drop on. Uh, the inspect feature, but also make it that much easier because like. Why introduce all these great features if it's still just as hard to hand things off to end? You know, it's like, oh, we got all these really cool tools. It's still siloed off into this application that most engineers will never install, let alone open. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless uh, incentivized to. So providing them a, a reasonable environment with a lot of the really useful integrations like the uh, ready for dev, like Mark is ready for dev thing. That was a really smart way to add that feature. I would almost like, I mean, this is just V1 or whatever, but I, I kind of like a gradation of that. Like, yes, ready for eng is one way to mark a file or a, a frame or whatever, or even a page. But it'd be nice to say work in progress, archived, or something like that. I have like a, official ways to mark those. That um, and, and, and this is nice in that it is like opt-in such that Engineers only see the stuff like by default in the same way that um, components that have simplified, you can like simplify instances and it'll like hide all the layers that don't matter and it'll hide all of the color styles and textiles and everything just to make it easier for the user, which would be the designer in that, in that case. But with the engineer as a user, stripping the app down to just the stuff that matters to them, which is the finalized stuff and all of those extra explorations that inevitably litter the canvas and end up confusing everything. Even I'm start to get confused. Like, wait, which is the real one here? Like, uh, uh, Oh, right. No, this is one. This one. 
having a, a like a two click thing, right? Click mark is ready for dev is amazing. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to improving all of the libraries that I maintain with these changes. Um, a little hesitant because they are marked as beta, but my experience with Figma features is that the beta-ness of them is that they just get stuff added to them usually. Like stuff doesn't change or get removed. And looking at the little info, question mark hover things, the language that they're using makes it seem as though, well, there's even badges that say coming soon where it's like there's going to be more coming. So the the reason this is unstable is because it's not fully done yet, but not that like what's there is going to be removed or changed necessarily. So I've been moving forward with this, but mileage may vary. Um, I do want to, before I move on, I do want to mention one last thing. In addition to the variables themselves, they have some little checkboxes that you can choose to enable that determine what the scope of that particular variable is. So for example, I have a semantic called outline, right? I can set it up to only be available in a dropdown for strokes, Right. So it won't show up in the fill thing because that that outline Mm -hmm. semantic is Mm -hmm. only ever intended for strokes. So it gives you like frames, fill or or fills includes frames, shapes and text. And then strokes is its own thing. And I think there's like an all thing, but there there might be more ways of filling things coming. There is no uh, gradient option for any of these variables. Like the color that you pick is a single color. There is an option for a gradient. There's an option to like combine things in the same way you can have a text style that combines multiple styles into one. Can't do that. So I'm I'm wondering if this is like going to improve or um, okay. So for example, Apple released their own Figma library, right, with all their iOS components and iPad components uh, for iOS 17, iPad OS 17, which they've never done before. It's always been like Sketch libraries. So this is huge, but I went to go variantize, just playing around with stuff. I went to variantize all of the colors and all the the pairs of like the light and dark version of all all of the colors in that library. And I ran into a wall when I got to the materials because they all use like two colors combined on top of each other. The first one has a blending mode on top of the second one, which has an opacity. You can't do that. You can't even use a color style as the reference for the variable, right? It's it's a flat hex with a transparency. That's all you can do. So I'm wondering if that will change. But there, there are definitely limitations here. As powerful as it is, there are walls to run into. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I think it's all like a step in the right direction. Like between the wrapping and variables, I feel like, half my Figma problems have been solved. Although I got to admit with variables, they're really good. But the thing that's been interesting is they're really hard to edit. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like in the auto layout yeah. values. You can't redrag. Uh, you, if you make multiple you columns, you, you can't, can't click it. You can't click on a variable to change it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like and, these weird workarounds. I think it might just be the auto layout dropdowns that are behaving weirdly because some of the other ones are fine. Yeah, I mean, it's beta. But those right? are small nits. I'm sure they'll figure them out, yeah. Yeah, there's stuff like when you go to, if you, if you use a variable as the value for another variable, like in the, the semantics using two constants for the light and the dark theme. Uh, or for example, if you do a similar thing for uh, spacing, some dropdowns don't include the value 
So it'll just say the name of the thing, not the the literal, right? So if I say like space two, it won't say 16. It'll just say space two, and I'll have to know that that translates to 16 points, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So th- I imagine that'll get fixed, but it's interesting. Like some dropdowns don't have all of that extra detail, which is really useful in picking which one. Like, which one did I mean? Like, show me the mm-hmm. literal in the same way that when you pick a text style, it shows you the size and weight and letting and all that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyways. A little, a couple, okay. a little next. Oh, oh, one last thing is, Brian, all, all these improvements to auto layout and everything. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Still haven't one, given one me rant. Come on. Aspect ratio, Brian. I've been asking for it for years. <laughs> I just I just give me aspect ratio. Just give me it, yeah. it. It would make so much sense as a drop down in the auto layout things like it can work already. There are hacks to make it work like the, the, the application is capable of doing it. Just give me the fucking option, please. Oh, my God. I've been asking for years. Well, hey, maybe someone at, that works at Figma is li- listening to you and they're like, well, Marshall, you could ask a little more kindly. But <laughs> I've asked kindly, Brian. I'm done asking kindly. <laughs> You're at your wits end. <laughs> yeah. Losing patience. Now, I mean, yeah, uh, obviously they've been busy. Uh, you know, I just wish they were busy on the stuff that I want. Just not busy on, on your uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> selfishly. But, you know, okay, more big rocks knocked out of the way. Maybe mine is a little pebble, but now there's room for maybe smaller rocks. Please, please add aspect ratio to all the layout. That's that's my plea. Yeah. All right, moving all right. on. Uh, yeah, that I'm was config. Move us along, Marshall. That yeah. was config. Sorry. Uh, all right. So config moving on to dub dub DC 2023. So uh, there's all the big announcements vision OS. We're going to cap off with that, but I want to start off with, I think my favorite addition to anything that happened that was released at, at WWDC. They didn't even really talk about it all that much. And it is improvements to AirPods Pro, Brian. I did not expect to be here saying these words. This is as much a surprise to me as it is to you, but here we are. Give me the deets. Okay, it's it's this beautiful symphony. It's this ballet of three features kind of mm, all working okay. together in tandem. I think I told you about this a little bit when yes, uh, movie yes. night. All right. And in my experience, Brian, it's fucking amazing how well they work together. So... The first is adaptive transparency. I think that's what they call it. But it's it's this new mode between full noise cancellation and transparency where it will noise cancel some things, but not other things. So they used a jackhammer, I think, in one of the early examples of this. And, and, and I think they had a marching band go through in the background of the dub dub version of mm-hmm. it. But uh, yeah, the idea is that it selectively noise cancels. So that's number one. Number two is a thing, I think it's called personalized volume, which it will listen to the environment around you to raise or lower the volume to keep a like relative level of volume given your surroundings. So if, if your surroundings get louder, the volume will get louder. But if it gets quieter, yeah, I'm explaining it into the ground. Uh, and this has actually been really great on the phone. Not so great on TV because every time it raises or lowers the volume on TV, the little bar comes out from the side of the screen. So you know, to show me that it went down like 2%. Anyways, oh, that's, annoying. Yeah. Um, that's probably a bug or something that they'll fix an oversight. Uh, but the third one is conversation awareness. So this is the idea that if I start talking, it will duck the volume on music. And I think it even knows there's like different categories because my audiobooks just straight up stop, whereas my music stays playing in the background just duck down really low. So like my audiobooks are smart enough to know that audiobook is content I shouldn't be missing quietly in the background. So it just straight up stops it. 
and uh, we'll keep it ducked down until it sounds like, because it also listens. So if, if no one else is talking around you and you are no longer talking, then it will bring everything back up to where it was before. So the, the interworkings of these three things, handing off to each other and doing the right thing at the right time when it, when it works out great, which is most of the time, is fucking magical. Like, I don't think they really talked about this as much as they probably should have, but you have to experience it. It, it, it probably doesn't mm. do very well to talk about it, and here I am talking about it. Um, but I, it does break down sometimes. I mentioned the thing with the little sidebar on TV. If you sing along to your music, it will interpret that <laughs> as you starting to, to yeah. talk, uh, which uh-huh. is unfortunate. Um, if you have a partner like I do, who, uh, when she talks to her family, talks... <laughs> At the loudest volume that there is, uh-huh. if I, so one time she was talking to her mom, but I was listening to something and I was like, oh, are you talking to me? And my headphones interpreted that as me starting a conversation. And she was like, oh, no, no, I'm talking to my mom. And then carried on talking with her mom. <laughs> it tricked out. Yeah, yeah, But But it was tricked loud out. enough that it, my headphones assumed that it was the conversation I was in also. So I had to like go to a different room <laughs> to like reset it. Anyways, it's not perfect, but it is pretty dang great, especially for things like vacuuming the house. I would always have to like manually turn on noise cancellation when I go to vacuum if I'm listening to an audiobook or something. But this just after a second or two bumps the volume up a little bit, noise cancels that vacuum whine, and it just does right. But you can still hear the world around you. You can still hear people talk. It's pretty magical. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Cool. So that's my biggest thing I'm talking about the most. Everything else is kind of bullet points here. But wanted to sing the praises of conversation aware, personalized volume, and adaptive transparency. All right. Next up is watchOS. So uh, nothing major, major, major here. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. So there's like one major thing as far as like daily driver stuff goes, which is they changed the way the home screen works and they changed the side button. So the side button on first click used to take you to like multitasking. It'd be like a double click on the home button or you know swipe up and hold from the bottom, home indicator, whatever they call it. Now it takes you to control center. So instead of having to drag up from the bottom where you like touched at the bottom for a second and then dragged up, you could do that on any screen. So you could access control center from any app or any screen. But now it's just literally the side button. So it doesn't take a pretty involved gesture or a specific location to access something that you kind of want to get at from everywhere really easily. Mm -hmm. So it means that I've been able to check my battery a lot more frequently, and it's draining my battery quite a bit. I feel like it's draining faster, but um, I can see my battery percentage. I can go into like the water mode. I usually take a shower with my watch on, but I'll turn it in, put it into like the water droplet, like swimming mode or whatever they call it. So the screen doesn't accidentally get tapped by hot water, you know? Mm-hmm. And now when you hit home, you go to instead of that honeycomb grid that kind of was like centrally located and radiated out. And, and it's very hard to tap on anything hey, yes. very hard to tap on anything and also very hard to move anything around because the magnetism of how the pieces need to fit together you couldn't have islands off of the mainland of icon clump but you could build these uh-huh. like arm structures like anyways now it's that same honeycomb but it is instead of being kind of circular like a, a spider web or whatever it, it is a vertical list still in the honeycomb pattern but you get a row of three interlocked with a row of four, three, four, three, four, three, all the way down. Um, again, you could still do the list, 
but this maintains that kind of signature honeycomb home yeah, screen. Yeah, I mean, pattern. that's better. Like, the list doesn't have enough density. The grid is just, there's so much, like, the directionality makes it hard to know where to go. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, a million infinite axes that you could swipe to, like, try and find your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but putting that same honeycomb, so you have density with one scroll direction, mm-hmm. feels more correct. Yeah, everything is really leaning into the crown now. Same thing on the home screen now. They they used to have a, well, they still have it, I think, a Siri watch face. But they introduced it pretty early on and never really invested in it. So much so that I don't think they ever even updated it for like the bigger screens. Remember, they had like kind of a, a point where they said, our screens are bigger and we redesigned all the apps. And now there's Command Duo or yeah, the Duo yeah. thing, whatever, yeah. It never even got that update. And I think the reason they never updated it is like, why aren't they giving this some love? It's a pretty good face because it, 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 the idea is it surfaces cards at the right time for you and you can kind of scroll through these cards. Well, now they just built it into scrolling up on any watch face. But, but before, the crown did nothing on the watch face, if I'm not mistaken. Like there are some faces that took advantage of it to do like little gimmicky things, but now they've they've built it in as a core journey of like you're on any watch face and you scroll that crown up and you get all of these Siri cards that are relevant. Like usually for me, it's like upcoming meetings or active timers or the now playing card if you're listening to music or whatever. But that's a, that's a major change. That's it's a, I don't know how to describe it. The only way I can say it is like the, the watch feels more chunky now. It feels like more tappable. Like everything is like a little bit like more accessible, I guess, which is a compliment. It maybe isn't sounding like it, but this is a compliment. Hmm, okay. Uh, okay. So moving on to tvOS. I, uh, okay. When I first updated to tvOS, I Brian, I st- stood there looking at the screen for two or three minutes. Like, why does it look different? Like scrolling around, like moving around. Like, why does it look? Why do all the icons look smaller? And I'm I'm measuring from the edge of the screen with my eyes. Like, no, the margins are about the same. The spacing between items is about the same. They just added another column. So it used to be five apps across. Now the home screen is six apps across, and it means that everything gets a little bit smaller. But it fucked me up for like a couple minutes. I'm like, why is it different? Everything is the same. Oh, oh, I can't count to six. Anyways, that was a major thing. But then you go to long press, like hold the select button on any of those apps and you get a whole new contextual menu, Brian. The trigger anchored contextual menus that we know and love from iOS that have like the nested menus with dropdowns and everything and they kind of push back. Uh, I, I love those menus. They are now on tvOS or a form of them that is well suited for tvOS. So no longer do we blur the entire screen and give you like a few options in the middle of the screen to, to do like a, a menu type thing on tvOS. The, the screen dims a little bit. You get a contextual menu that pops off of whatever you long pressed on and you can dive down into sub menus within that menu. Lovely. It's, it's theme appropriate, light or dark. It's beautiful. It's totally legible. You don't, and you can, and you stay in context. That's the beauty of a fucking contextual menu, Brian, is you stay in context. I, I know where I came from. Like, what did I just long press on to get to this menu that has delete in it? Oh, yeah, it was this thing, right? So huge, huge improvement. Uh, and the other major thing that st- stood out to me is the control center redesign. They, they announced this, but I ha- if you have a family, when you held the TV button and you have a lot of people in your family account, all those faces would show up at the top, whether you had them like on for that Apple TV or not. 
Now they've moved all those faces into a separate page that is like one pivot to the right from the default menu that opens. And all the stuff that's in the default menu makes a lot more sense. The um, On the home screen, at least, the top right time and account are persistent in a much, much smaller UI that grows as necessary. It's kind of like a minified menu bar where you have your account face circle avatar. Next to that, you always have the time. And then based on what you're doing, you have additional icons. So if you have headphones hooked up to it, you'll get a headphone icon there that's appropriate to the headphone type that you're using, whether it's AirPods or AirPods Max, the big ones, whatever. You use the right icon, which is really nice. And then that gives you all the dropdowns for spatial audio and all those options. Uh, same thing if you're if you're listening to music, if you have something that's now playing, it will give you the same waveform dot bars that you see in the dynamic island when something is playing. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all of these patterns that they've started establishing elsewhere, like truly like seep into all the other places where they should be in the form that we know them as. You know, it it takes them years to do it, but we eventually get there. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we've had to say this every year. It's like, oh yeah, the language from one platform is finally making it over to the other platform. But it happens every year, and I think it will continue happening for every year because they have too much stuff now. Like it's just never all mm-hmm. going to be in sync. Oh, it's waves, yeah, yeah. But it is nice, like with each incremental update, to like, yeah, have the next wave roll through. Things always. I, it makes me wish Apple shipped faster, right? Oh yeah, a million of these things. I don't know. It's not worth rehashing this. Everyone's talked about this, <laughs> but the once a year thing is frustrating because it does feel like we get these jarring waves once a year. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, okay, now, okay, now my TV feels like my phone feels like my iPad feels like my Mac versus maybe seeing some of these things roll out more subtly throughout. I don't know which would be better to be honest, but it, yeah, clearly all these changes could happen incrementally if they really wanted to. Yeah, it's it's more impactful to really sit in a bundle like this, right? Like, look, I we suppose, were doing yeah. stuff. And Makes it of, feel fresh. Feel yeah. New. Remember us, right? Start using this thing again. Maybe you have your own notes app. But look all the features we added. Anyways. Okay, that's TVOS. And okay, let's keep keep the train moving here. Last two things before we get into Vision Pro is macOS. Uh, not a whole lot to say here on my side. I um, <laughs> The things that I noticed... Pretty superficial. Uh, one is there is no new wallpaper-based screensaver. They introduced a bunch of the aerial screensavers from TVOS. Again, things crossing over from one platform to the other. And pre in the last two macOS releases, they had a wallpaper that paired with a programmatic, beautiful, like gradient-based screensaver. So a couple of years ago, we had Monterey, which was like these purple mountains and valleys, right? And you move through these mountains. Again, procedural, I think, right? And then we had Ventura, which was like the yellow tulip flowers, right? And those would kind of constantly be unfolding new petals, right? Uh, For Sonoma, the theme, instead of purple valley or yellow flower, is kind of like vineyard hills, which would also lend themselves really nicely to this type of like procedural screensaver that is kind of endless and, and blends in nicely with the wallpaper. But we didn't get that. Instead, we got a dynamic wallpaper that is a light and dark only. It doesn't do the multi-stage like, you know, dawn to, to dusk or whatever throughout the day changes the shades. It doesn't do that. It's just there's a light version and a dark version. Feels like a step back. No matching screensaver. Feels like a step back. So that's a bummer. I don't know if anybody cares about that stuff. But one of the things I look forward to is like the art of the background. It, it cha- I always change my wallpaper to the default wallpaper because like when I think back on it, 
I remember this the that like era of the of Mac OS. It's easier to remember like what features happened mm-hmm. when you have a consistent anyways. So I'm fucking myself up now because I'm still using the Ventura wallpaper because uh, it has yeah. the multi-step dynamic, you know, light to dark. And it has a matching screensaver that is really nice uh, that I've left on. So I'm like one version behind despite being on on the beta for the new thing. Um, I've been playing around a little bit with combining the new desktop widgets with stage manager. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. I mean, like, again, stuff from iPhone that is now coming to iPad and now coming to Mac OS at the same time. Like It's like a flying V, right? There's one duck that's always in front. the point of the v and the other platforms eventually get it you know catch the draft so here ipad os and mac os are getting lock screen widgets or, or home screen widgets but they feel like how they should feel i love the option and i and i have it turned on to desaturate them at all times so even like they always use a a blending mode on your desktop so they always feel vibrantly uh, monochromatic, you know? Uh, yeah. But I've been using that in combination with stage manager. So I've been trying to like, especially on my, when I'm just in laptop only mode, not multi-monitor desktop setup, I've been using either I go full screen with an app and it's just like the one thing I'm looking at, or I use stage manager to have one window to app come in and out at, at a time. And I set it up so that the little apps on the left side rail don't show when I have an app open. Okay, I got a question for you, Marshall. Yeah. I don't know how to use Stage Manager. I have never used it, nor invoked it, nor know how to invoke it. Yeah. What is it? Uh, It's mostly like... I know it's a thing. It came out in Ventura. Yeah. And it's on iPad. I don't know how to activate it. What do you do? Oh, it's, uh, it's in desktop and dock. It's a toggle. Toggle Stage Manager is a command. It just hit a bunch of shit. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So you get this left rail and all of your apps go kind of on the left side dock. Why is this like it is? Um, The whole idea here is the stage manager is a good name for it because it's basically like there's a stage and kind of only one person should be out on stage at a time and the rest of the cast waits in the wings, right? And those are your other apps on the side. And you can like have multiple people on stage at once, like multiple apps. Uh, you can drag them from the wings onto the stage. But by default, they kind of want to be one at a time. So it's like the focus of full screen without the full window version of full screen, if that makes mm. sense. Okay, I'm going to try it. I can't believe I... Yeah, this is the first time I've ever seen it live in person. Mm-hmm. I'll try it. It's its own thing. And you can. what's kind of nice is you can set it up that when you click on the desktop, it will hide all of your windows, basically. So it, it goes back to normal. And you still have your dock on the bottom if you want to. I'm a bottom dock guy. I don't know if you're like a, a left dock weird. Ugh, no, bottom okay. bottom only, dude. Yeah, bottom only. All right, cool. Yeah, and auto hide, yeah? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay. We're still friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, uh, that was Mac OS and moving on to iOS. Um, the only couple things that really stood out to me are, again, the wallpapers. I'm so basic, Brian. Um, there's a new wallpaper, and it's this really cool, like, this fat squiggle that has a gradient that changes as it squiggles left and right, back and forth across the screen. And it uses the always-on screen mode, the transition from, like, going from always-on to, to woken up. It's like a worm, and it, like, kind of moves a little bit, and one of the curves of the squiggle obscures the time, like, occludes the time, so it does that portrait mode thing um, by default with this paper. But 
it, it does this like what they call it, live photo or whatever. Like you can set that up, same thing. It'll it'll kind of go through that short animation, but it's really beautiful. Again, it has a nice light and dark mode. So I like that wallpaper. This is like a really nice default wallpaper. I'll probably hang on to it. The other thing is Apple Music has a dope ass new now playing screen that uses any album that has like an animated uh, artwork on it, which is usually like the bigger artists like Taylor Swift and stuff. But any album that has that animation has a really nicely blended color sampled now playing view that doesn't just have like a rounded square album art on the color extracted background. It all blends in as the kind of a seamless surface. Really beautiful. And there's a bunch of great examples of this that you can you can find out there. But I, I ran into it. Um, I was listening to a Tool Lateralis. I was like, oh, side tangent. Um, Brian, did you? This is actually a fun little design side tangent. So when a language is being developed, the first colors that get names are white and black, and then the next colors that that get named are red and then yellow. And then only after that do green and then eventually blue get names. But like the the most important ones are white and black and then red and then Mm. yellow and then green, right? Really interesting. It's like contrast is the most important thing to to differentiate. And then from then, red, I guess, is like a danger color or yellow or it's also a danger color. Those are important to call out. But then after that, like blue doesn't almost doesn't exist. And if you don't have a word for it, you can't pick it out. Uh, It's almost like you don't see the color. It's a really interesting. Uh, what, I won't wait, get what? into it. What? What about the thing above us? Yeah. So people will describe people who don't have a word for blue will call the sky white. What? Yeah. And and actually, what, kids what? will do this too. Before <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, the only reason that you call the sky blue is because we have a word for blue. Cultures that don't have a uh, don't have a word for it. It's just like a, a darker green or like you know, a further shade of green. Like the way that we define colors, like Roy G. Biv, that's totally arbitrary, right? Like, why isn't it like teal mauve? Like, why aren't those like the the main colors? I don't know. Well, we've, we've just kind of arbitrarily done it. And it's partially because of how pigments pigments work and stuff. But light is totally different. Anyways, the, I, w- I was learning about this and I was like, wait a minute. There's a tool song called Lateralis and, and the lyrics are, well, the lyrics use the Fibonacci sequence. It's fucking tool and Maynard. So, of course, it's like math shit. But like they use a Fibonacci sequence. So the lyrics are, Black and white are all I see, red and yellow then came to be, which I was like, whoa, those are lyrics. Well, first off, it's like one, one, two, three, five, the Fibonacci sequence. But isn't that fucking cool? Yeah, I'd never heard this about the color stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know how I got thinking about it. Oh, oh, oh the, the, the first time I ran into this in the wild was looking up that Lateralis song uh, by Tool and oh my God. The album art for that is fucking amazing. Their their bass player, he does all of their music videos and everything. It's fucking wild. The art is crazy. It's like different layers. I remember and I think in the actual album art, it's layers of clear plastic with different uh, layers of the anatomy. So like bone and musculature mm-hmm. and then circulatory and skin is like pretty crazy. Anyways. That is, oh, 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 and then the funny thing is that podcasts, bless its heart, is always like one step behind music. (laughs) 
Like uh-huh. it just like podcast now looks like music used to look before iOS 17. Oh man. It's it's caught up, but but now I now music looks different. So uh, they're closer. Like for example, music has an uh, it's an interesting choice actually. Um I didn't write this down, but music has its mini player is no longer kind of docked to the top of the tab bar, right? And that like the tab bar gets a divider above it. And then there's a full width bar above that that is the mini player for for music. Now it is inset, rounded. And instead of ending with a divider above it, the tab bar kind of feathers off in the same way that app library feathers off with a blur at the top. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a drop blur kind of thing where it, it it gradates from the top of the tab bar into the feed that you're, you're scrolling. But because the mini player goes to the edges of the page margin as wide as the content below it is, you never see content go really outside of the thing. So you don't really see this gradient necessarily. It just kind of is a smooth fill from from like the body into the tab bar. I don't know how to describe it very well, but it's it's this interesting thing they're doing where they're kind of muddying the lines of where one surface ends and the other begins. I don't think I like that. I think I think app library looks bad for that reason. It's it, it is more successful on music than it is on app library for exactly that reason because you get this bridge that a kind of block between the two of the mini player that has a separate material that uses vibrancy below it in a different it kind of like acts as a go-between so the the blur only really happens on the edge it's 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 mainly to keep that vibrant background that the bottom tab bar gets from having a hard edge at the top of it um but it has clear boundaries now those boundaries kind of feather off in a nice way that you don't you know, it just feels like a, a fluid interface now does that make sense mm-hmm. i guess I of all these things on iOS, I'm surprised. I guess I haven't played with it, and the stuff that looked fun are like rare things. But it seemed like they had a lot of fun playing with the uh, the new handoff feature, or what do you call it? The thing where you can like pass your contact info to someone by oh, moving yeah. your phones close together. Name drop. Seen videos of that. Yeah. Name drop. Yeah. It looks so cool. Yeah. The effect like, the, ripples the whole screen. Yeah. Blurs That's like a and new and lights and design stuff. language. Yeah. Element that nobody will ever use. <laughs> but it's really cool. I guess people, that's not true. People might use it at like conferencing or conferences, networking bars, events. I don't know. Bars. I'm an yeah, old, yeah. Okay. Pe- old fuddy daddy. People will use it. I don't have and it will be so it. satisfying. It's super cool. Yeah, uh, it looks great. Especially when you put them like top to top, the the animations work with each other. It creates this like combined yeah, ripple. So yeah. Well, there was that one, and then there was the uh, call posters for people where you can like set up a call poster. So when yeah. you call somebody, you actually get something that looks good. It looks like a iPhone wallpaper with occlusion and like all the magic photo stuff, right? If you do it right, uh, it starts to look like a band poster or something, right? <laughs> you know, it looks awesome. Yeah, 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 and it makes it these really are things easy. where they must be really tricky technical challenges, right? There's probably a lot of intermediaries that mm-hmm. complicate that process. From you know, are you on the internet? Are you on a cell tower? Who's the provider? Like who owns that data? I think it's really interesting technical problems, but the end result makes the phone, which is the app everyone uses the least, but it makes the phone feel more human. Like it's bringing it more in line with the iPhone being about people, Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I've set mine up. I I used funny pictures. Uh, I should call you just so you can see them. Well, I don't have the new beta, but yeah. Uh, That's true. Okay, well, when you get it.
Um, once it's out, once it's out. All right. So that is it. That is the end of my spiel. Let's talk a little bit about Vision Pro. It's already been run into the ground of things to talk about, but I wrote down a few bullet points here, Brian, that I think are still interesting to talk about that I haven't really been delved into. The design details, if you will. Um, the first one, and this, I, I'm so happy it was answered relatively quickly because it was bugging me. Like, what? what is this? So below each window... And spatial, wait, what are they calling it? They never said virtual reality once the whole time, which I thought uh, was interesting. Spatial computing. Spatial computing, no. yeah, yeah. But in that environment, the windows that they use, each window has a little home indicator, like the little horizontal white bar, little rounded bar below each window. We're used to seeing this at the bottom of our phones, right? That's the home indicator, right? That's how you get back home. But on the Vision Pro, there's a little dot to the left of that bar, and it was killing me. Like, what does that dot do? What's the, what's the little circle for? Turns out, it's the close button, Brian. When you look at it, mm. it zooms up. The, the little circle becomes a big circle with an X inside of it. And that's how you close out, which makes a lot of sense because there's no home button to, like, leave or, like, you know, there's no traffic light in the top left to, to maximize, minimize, or kill these things, right? So uh, I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that they're combining three things into one. It's, it is the move this window around handle plus the close this window x dot plus if you look over if you look over to the corner of the window that the bar wraps around the corner that you're looking yeah, at and becomes yeah. a little drag handle to resize the window right so all three of Super these things cool. in one yeah really clever um speaking of scaling the windows one thing that they didn't talk about is a choice that they made so they made a choice to not lock windows to your viewport. They are locked to the environment, right? They're, they're locked to the real world. So when you move around, they stay stuck to the coffee table or point in space because apparently it causes a lot of uh, motion sickness when the thing stays stuck with you. But also, they can kind of guarantee a, a, a screen distance. So, okay, uh, uh, let, me, let me back up. When you push one of these windows around in 3D space, you can move it left and right. But when you push it backwards, instead of it getting smaller, like you would expect a, a, in a 3D object in space to, to visually look smaller as you move it away from your eyes, the screen actually scales up proportionally to maintain the same like viewing angle or you know like uh, uh, it takes up the same amount of space in your vision even though it's further away so it scales up proportionally does that make sense sure okay um so that means that they can maintain and, and the reason they made this choice is they can maintain tap target sizes right so we all if you if you've read the hig you're familiar with the 44 by 44 minimum tap target size that apple requires for their apps on this new OS, the minimum tap target size, do you, do you know what it is, Brian? Uh, I thought I heard it. It was like 49 or 60 or something like 60, that. 60, yeah, 60. So they add an additional eight like padding all the way around the existing 44, hmm. which is nice math, right? Because like you, you have the thing that you're used to of like the 44 that everybody builds with. You just have to have an extra 60 around there. And that means they consider your eyes to be a um, like a less precise input device than even your fingers, right? Like the reason it's 44 by 44 is like it's it's a good fat finger tap target, right? Uh, but on desktop, even material is smaller. I think like instead of 48, I think it goes down to 40 or 36 or something like that because you have a one by one pixel precision with your, your mouse cursor, right? 
But with your eyeballs, it seems like they had some really good eye tracking. So it's it's odd that they used a larger tap target than you would even expect for a finger. Because all the reports that I've been hearing are, it's really good about figuring out exactly what you're looking at. So anyways, that, that was a strange choice to me to, to, to go larger. But it's cool that they chose that because I think they're they're erring on the side of maintaining legibility and tapability in, in all modes. So like you push a window away from you, it just gets bigger. So the text stays the same size. It's just as easy to read. It's just a billboard and far away from you as opposed to a piece of paper up close to you. You know what I mean? Mm. Um Here's a here's an interesting thing. What happens when you walk around these windows? What's on the back side of them? Uh, they should be see through and inverted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's what I wondered. It's like, is, is it like because they give this vibe of translucent glass from the front? Like that's kind of the material they've chosen to go with. It makes total sense based on everything we've seen in iOS and iPadOS, but and even macOS. But you would expect to see in physical glass, you expect to see the same thing inverted or backwards if you looked on the backside of it. No, uh, it's just like a white material blurry window. There's there's no detail on the back. <laughs> it's just it's just blank, okay. which is kind of nice. I mean, that's probably the a fine decision. But yeah, well, here's the thing, Brian. Uh, what if maybe you, that'll change over what time, if you, actually. If you have one window open and the thing that you're working on just happens to be really symmetrical. And you get turned around and you don't know which side is the front or the back, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you're moving around the room and using something, you need to know if you're looking at the front or the back. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. But it, it just breaks your brain because the metaphor is glass and it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of moving things around, um, it seems like the intention is to keep the screens always facing you. Like there's not much in the way of like a rotation. It's like you can just move it left and right and it will kind of move in an arc around your body instead of, you know, a flat line in front of you, like on a desk or something, which is an interesting choice. Uh, And speaking of like your spatial location, when you coordinate with other people and you're in the same virtual space as other people, They've created templates for like how you can be arranged in that space. So, and they're they're predefined. So, all of your apps will be one of these three or four different types, which is like you're in a line looking at a thing, like you know, uh, sitting on a couch watching a, a movie screen, right? Or you are around a central thing, right? Like you're all around a table looking at an object in the center. Or there is a thing on the side, but the the cluster is more about you all facing each other rather than the thing on the side. So like a whiteboard on a wall where you're you're talking and then every once in a while you refer to this whiteboard. But the, it seems like those are kind of like the three configurations and your app has to choose one of those because that will determine how it places new people into the scene and what their default orientation is when they come in. And like, you know, so you're not <laughs> facing backwards or whatever. It's just an interesting way to think about it, like building these mm. kind of like positional templates. You know, it makes sense when you think about it, but like I would not have gone there initially. You know, yeah, super cool. Yeah, all right. Uh, so there's audio on these things. I was wondering if like, am I going to be wearing like the AirPods Max and strapping big headphones on me, or are they can work with like little uh, smaller AirPods Pro? It'd be better with AirPods Pro, right? Right. Yeah, but turns but out they have those little speakers built you, in. That doesn't make any sense. You either. don't need anything. Yeah, well, they got the little AirPods, but. The the naming for it, it, like everything snapped together, they called it spatial audio, and they're calling this like spatial computing. And they've been calling it spatial audio on AirPods for years now. Like this has been the kind of idea of when you turn your head, that the sound 
still look, feels like it's coming from the screen or from the same point in space. They they just kind of stealthily put that language in there so that like they could the clues are in front of yeah, us the whole time, the whole time. The killer was in the house the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of language, other people brought this up, obviously, but they're calling this the Vision Pro. Does Pro imply that there is a non-Pro in the same way that we have non-Pro phones? It's $3,500. I won't be buying one, will you? <laughs> no, I will not. Yeah. If I If I had that much disposable income lying around, I would consider it. I think it'd be really fun to try, but... Man, we just got to see some use cases. Like, yeah, I'm like having to flashback to all the the thoughts when Dub Dub actually happened. Like, every demo was really cool, but every demo was like, you live at home by yourself and want to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I live with somebody and like want to be present when they're home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm probably naive and wrong. I think Apple will figure this out, but so far, no VR headset has figured out the problem of. It's an incredible tech demo, but people don't like to put something on their face for prolonged periods of time. Yeah. Well, okay. The thing that was the only reason to buy it right now, which is not worth the money, is the fucking airplane mode, man. Yeah. Plug that (laughs) battery pack into your airplane seat so it's got infinite battery Uh and disappear. Just go full immersive VR and watch a movie. Mm -hmm. That and actually all the media stuff was kind of compelling, but again, only in situations where you are by default alone. Mm-hmm. I would never do any of this on a couch again, unless I'm alone. Well, <laughs> so I, okay. these are just things to that look so fucking awesome. But what I'm, I know that there's they they seed it out into the world. There's going to be a year of developers building apps for it. There will be use cases that come up. The cost will come down. So V1 probably not for me. But I'm still excited. It's a really cool technology, and I like playing with new things. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I will get one someday. You know? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, this is this is how it works, right? Like the first version is for the early adopters. People laugh at you and go, "That's a ridiculous amount of money you paid for that device," and they go, "I don't care. It's worth it." And then fast forward a couple of years, and there you are in line waiting for that device yourself. The prices come down, and you see everybody is using them or it feels like everybody is starting to use them and you want to get on board. I imagine that same pattern is going to happen here. It happened with iPhone, happened with App- iPad, happened with Apple Watch. Totally. It's going to happen yeah. here. But to your point of like the aloneness, like it's fascinating how much effort they put into the idea of like the external user. The idea of me walking up to you and I I break through the mist, right? You see my face when I sit down next to you. I can see your fake eyes. They put a screen on the outside of this thing that is only for not you, right? It's for everybody but you, the person wearing it. So like, it's it's fascinating to me that they made these choices because like, obviously they know it's weird to strap a big, you know, uh, ski goggles onto your face and walk around like it's normal. It's not normal. It's not going to be normal, but as many things as we can do to make it feel as normal in the same way that I was talking about earlier where like the, the conversation awareness of like do the right thing at the right time, get out of the way when necessary, and then go back to where you were. Like if it can feel natural and it doesn't feel like I have to take the whole thing off just to have a conversation or like nobody knows if I'm looking at them or if I'm like off in my own world, like having those problems solved is a a thing that no other VR headset is thinking about of like 
alerting other people to what your experience is like inside there and getting out of the way when you want to have one of those conversations. I'm not aware of anything else that's even trying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. They deserve a lot of credit for trying to to make that work. Yeah. Um, it's still fucking weird though. <laughs> it's still fucking weird. All the and eyes look like, bizarre. I can't wait I to see I think this it. is a societal evolution that we will go through. Like someday we will look back and be like, remember when we thought that was weird and it's totally not. Mm-hmm. But right now it's weird. And we'll capture that in audio for all of time mm-hmm. in the year 2023. Like the eye screen on the front looks creepy. It's, and dude, did you watch the most recent uh, It's Always Sunny podcast episode? Uh, yes. Uh, Mac and Charlie write a movie or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a bit that's like this the B plot for Dennis and on that episode, and they talk about it oh, during the yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. is that. He's obsessed with his new BlackBerry Storm touchscreen phone. And the joke at at the time that was very relevant was like, isn't it hilarious how absorbed into his phone he is? It's so stupid. He's not paying attention to the world around him. Fast forward. (laughs) We're all. It is all of us. That's how we all are. Yeah, this is not ridiculous at all. You're weird for making fun of him for doing that, you know? It's exactly right. In fact, I recently rewatched that episode because I'm just watching a few before I listen to their podcast. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching it, I was like, this is like, I know they're trying to do something, but it's not landing. Like, Uh he's just on his phone. Not in 2023. (laughs) Yep. But in 20, what? It was probably 2010 when that episode came out. Because I think it was a couple of years after the iPhone came out I was talking about. So, like, yeah, in 2010, bizarre. Because, you know, at that time, there weren't really apps. So, like, you're on your calculator. You're looking at your email or whatever. Like, there's really not a whole lot to do in there. There there is no Instagram. Right. There was a YouTube, though, actually. There was a YouTube that had the TV emoji was like the old... On V1. YouTube V1. V1. Yeah, built in. Crazy that there's a collaboration there. Anyways, okay. We've talked about it enough. Um, The last thing I think is, the question is, will this have a yearly release cycle that will... If it is on yes. a yearly release cycle that will dull the pain of waiting, because I want it, Brian, I want it. <laughs> I don't want to spend $3,500 on it. And I really don't want the first version because it's going to suck compared to the second version. I'll have to buy the second version too. So I'm just going to wait. But if I know that I don't have to wait like two and a half years, it'll be easier. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it'll be yearly. And then I hope so. if not yearly to start, it'll eventually get there because I think we're going to end up with like mm-hmm. the SE Air, like yeah. there will always be like a stagger to it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think we'll get there. Yeah, it's got to wait longer. Okay, that is the full config and WWDC spiel. We made this is through. what we get for not releasing an episode for uh-huh. a while. We got a lot of shit. Well, this is what <laughs> you get for us not releasing a, an episode, <laughs> listener. You, you get yeah. a lot of content all at once. Hope you like it. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> when we wait, there's plenty to talk about. And I was able to write notes beforehand and everything. Preparation. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, on to the next thing, which is cool things. Would you like to go first? Yeah, I finished uh, Silo on Apple TV Plus. Oh, nice. And it's a slow burn, but it's good. And I like the ending. And now I want to read the books. Ooh. And they're making season two. So that was my cool thing. I think last time it is done. My next cool thing is Hijack, which is also an Apple TV Plus show, which it's one of those shows, Marshall, where I'm like, I think we've swung too far in the opposite direction hmm. where what am I trying to say here? Every TV show, every every movie became a TV show. 
and some movies should just be movies. And so Hijack, while it is my cool thing because mm. I like Idris Elba and it's well produced and there's some tension, it's one of those things where like this should probably be a two-hour movie, mm-hmm. not a 10-episode series well they made but it we're only three in, so we'll see what happens and it stars liam neeson you know like i, I think yeah, they already made yeah. this movie a couple different times but yeah yeah well, i was surprised like how are they going to stretch this out over six or seven episodes right the answer is very slowly yeah <laughs> so it's my it's my cool thing but i'm only two i've watched two only three are out but i'll give it a try because i know silo had a slow start as well and i ended up really liking it so we'll see hmm. i mean i love me some Idris Elba. so yeah me too okay that's my cool thing Cool. Well, really quick, cool thing. All right. Hijack. I'll probably end up watching that alone. I, I, is it hijack or hijacked? I don't I know. I think it's high. What, I think it's H slash Jack. <laughs> H sure. Ford slash Jack. If, if the typography is to be believed. Um, cool thing, Brian. Uh, my cool thing. Actually, I have two cool things and I'll try to be quick. The first one, Brian, do you like movie theater popcorn? Boy, do I. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm going to say. I, I have discovered the secret. Not the discovered. I, I, I don't know. I think I saw a TikTok. You have or discovered something. the thing that every movie popcorn making company in the world has known for a yeah, long time. Yeah, exactly. When you go to the movie theater or anywhere that they're popping popcorn, it has that like movie theater butter smell. The reason it has that smell is because they're using a very specific product. And that product is called Flavacol. Uh, I will put a link in the show notes. It is orange salt that is very, very fine. Um, And when used in combination with with another product that you can get off Amazon, which I'll put also a link to in the show notes, um, called butter-flavored coconut oil. These two things, when you pop your popcorn kernels in the oil, it turns them that yellow color, and you get the mix of like white and yellow kernels that you get in the movie theater because... Some of them soak up that orange coconut oil initially. I'm not sure if this is the exact kind they use in the movie theaters, but you then lightly, and I mean lightly, dust. Uh, <laughs> Emphasis the, on lightly. Yeah, it is strong. You can overdo it pretty quickly. Uh, lightly dust and and toss in this Flavacol salt. It's amazing. I don't know how I've made it this long without doing it, but I make popcorn all the time now, and it smells like a movie theater good. in my house. Hey, yeah, Brian, you can attest to the accuracy. I don't know. How do you think? It's amazing. Yep. Cool. Yeah, it took me a while to get there. I think the the formula I found is basically three teaspoons of the oil to like a third of a teaspoon of salt is good for like a third of a cup of kernels. That's kind of like the right ratio. Okay, you're gonna need to put your recipe out on on the Threads app. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, yeah. This little preview to the uh, sidebar chat. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll keep it moving. Um, the second cool thing is, and I'll try. God, I'll try to keep this short. I, Brian, I finished reading, I think, eighteen books in this series. The author is Michael J. Sullivan. He has written. A bunch of books, but they're all kind of in the same series. I'll break this down real quick. The order that they were released is the order that you should read them in. They're fantasy novels. Each book is part of like a larger arc, but it follows these two characters, Hadrian and Royce. They are kind of a, a odd couple of thieves that work for the well-to-do in this like kind of fantasy world. It's very like Dungeons and Dragons, that type of thing. There's elves and dwarves and humans and goblins and stuff like kind of standard fare but the the beauty is in all the lore 
and the relationship of this this pair and the stuff they get themselves into and the way they get themselves out of it and the kind of overall journey. But that's the first six books. The next four books that were written were like are like backstories because uh, when you first meet them, they've already been together for twelve years as like a, a a duo. So there are four books of like kind of individual episodes from their past, and then the next six books are like the way distant past in this world, like 3,000 years ago, Bronze Age. And that that tells the story of these characters that we've heard about in the modern stories that we've already read, like the first 10 books that were written. There's all these characters that are referenced, but as with all stories, there's this game of telephone that's happened. So all the things that I, we thought the way the stories were in the future, like we go back and actually see those things happen and realize that it was very different, like characters that have become male over the tellings because the patriarchy, like we're actually female and like all the, all the gods got mixed up and all this different stuff, like everything is wrong, but you get to mm. kind of see it uh, happen contemporaneously. And then the next three books are kind of a bridge, each one following a character in the years between that bronze age era and the modern era. And two of those three books are out. The third one comes out in August. It's called Ezra Hodden. I can't wait. I've read all of the other books because Brian, I went to read one of them. I went to read the first one in those three books in between because it was like kind of recent and it was recommended to me. And at the very beginning, it's the smartest thing this guy ever did, the author did. He put a little preface before the book even started where he was like, hey, I've written a bunch of books. You can start with this one. That's totally fine. But I wrote a bunch of other stuff and there's some stuff that happens after this, some stuff that happens before. And if you read that other stuff, it'll make the things that happen in this book mean more because you'll know the backstory. And I recommend you read the things as I chronologically like release them. And I was like, you son of a bitch. And so I was like, <laughs> fuck it. All right, I'll go back. I'll, I'll buy I'll buy a second book from you before I even read the first one. But I'll buy the second book. I'll, I'll buy the first in that original six stories of, of Royce and Hadrian. And I got hooked immediately. I'm like, all right, fine. Book two, book three, book four, five, six. Oh, they got some backstories. I want more time with them because the story's <laughs> over after the six and I'm done. There's one more story after that. But there's a backstory. Okay, let me go read some prequels. One, two, three, four, or really seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, man, I love this world. I want more of it. Oh, there's there's pre-pre-prequels? Okay, let me go back to those. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, Jesus. 16, and then I still want more. I'm all the way in at this point. So I read 17 and 18, and then 19 comes out. Ezra Hodden comes out in August. So that was way more than I wanted to say about this, but they're excellent. Um, uh, like I said, I, I would not read 18 books in a single series unless it was good. Um, over the last couple of months, I fucking tore through them, Brian. Damn. Yeah. Anyways, the author is Michael J. Sullivan. The first collection of novels is called The Raira Revelations. And the first double book of that is called Theft of Swords. Cool. I'll find links in the show notes. Perfect. All right. Perfect. Well, I'll find sorry. links and put them in the show notes. Sorry for the, uh, the long-windedness, but those are my cool things. Cool. Well, this has been quite the marathon of an episode. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I but jinxed we're it up. so much at the beginning. Brian. Marshall, we do this every time. But we made it. We made it. Uh, this has been episode 461 of the Design Details podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at Design Details FM. Of course, if you want to hear more Design Details content, Specifically, if you want to hear us talk about threads, an Instagram app by Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> head over to patreon.com slash design details where you can support us for just $1 a month. And you're going to get access to all this bonus content, including our whole backlog of sidebars, sidebars, sidebars. and uh, of course, today's sidebar. So thanks to everyone who's supporting the show. And once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. Cool. 
and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. watching too much uh it's always sunny in philadelphia podcast they call their you know their quick creeps. quick tangent on that they uh-huh. call their viewers creeps i really enjoy watching their podcast more than i enjoy listening to it uh-huh. and that combined with confirmation bias where i saw someone tweet some stat that was like the most popular podcast app is youtube which i don't know if that's true or not like more either. popular than apple more popular than spotify and i was like damn I think that sounds, it sounds surprising, but in my own experience, I definitely prefer to watch the conversation. Although it means you have to be a little more active. You got to like, I have to be sitting down. I can't be walking around and, and mm-hmm. or driving or doing something. Um, but when I have the time, I really enjoy watching. Anyways, that was a unrelated tangent, but maybe something about the podcast space in there. Yeah, no, no, I, I am right there with you. I, I find myself at Waveform, MKBDHD's podcast. I, I just watched that on YouTube. I, I'm not even subscribed to it through my podcast apps. If it's there on video, I'm going to watch it on video. Um, should we make a video version of this podcast? No, uh, too much work. Oh, okay, anyways. Don't even, don't even. <laughs>